Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip focuses on end of the year tax strategies with CPA Allison Rife Martin. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now, here's Philip. So for the month of really into September into October, I've been working with my team on building a five-day email series called Building Wealth After Age 37, What Smart Advisors Won't Say. And it's a five-day email course. The reason why I built it was... There are so many people out here building investing courses. They cost thousands of dollars. And I've had a couple of friends and clients take the course and come out more confused than how they went into it. And they'd spent a thousand, two thousand bucks on it. And I know the people who are writing some of the courses and not a knock on them, but they don't have the experience and knowledge that a wealth manager has. And they definitely, at least some people, are taking the course thinking with an expectation of what they're going to get and they're not fully getting it. And so I was like, hey, listen, I'm going to build a course specifically for the people that want to know how to invest. They don't want to be a day trader, right? They don't want to look at charts all day or read the Wall Street Journal all day or do all this research. They just want to know, okay, how should I be investing to one day become financially free, reach my retirement goal, Right. I want to enjoy life. I'm good at what I do at work. I don't want to become a money manager. I want to know how to invest. I don't want to just rely on some financial advisor or wealth manager to tell me. They don't mind working with them, but they want to know, all right, what is the process? What should I be doing? How should I get educated? So when they, so if they work with a wealth manager or an advisor, they understand what's going on. Or if they don't want to work with one, they have a good plan in place or a good thought process in place or decision making process in place to help them build a plan to help to potentially reach their goal. And so uh, that's the course, Building Wealth After 37, What Smart Advisors Won't Say. I literally just took what I've learned over the 14 years, put it into a five-day email series, short and concise. But after the five-day series, you will have what you need to uh, build your plan or go talk with a uh, wealth manager and feel confident in the conversation. So check it out. If you go to StonehillWealthManagement.com, it's on the front page, StonehillWealthManagement.com. It's on the front page. Put in your name, email address, and it'll go to you. I won't be spamming you. You'll get the emails, and and then you'll also get the weekly podcast episodes uh, sent to you. So that's it. Check it out. Let me know your thoughts. We're having another episode. This one's. I'm gonna take a break on the principles for for a week, maybe two weeks, because this is the time of year where if you own a business, uh, you are thinking through. Uh, financial and tax planning for the business for, for the end of this year and for next year. And so I wanted to have the smartest CPA I know in the in the DFW area on here, Allison, to come back on. This is her third time. Hey, Allison, by the way, I don't think anybody ever, anybody else has been on three times. Like you're the only one that's hey, been on three times. Maybe we could be like Saturday Night Live, you know, who's the guest that gets the host most? So. Right. Yeah, 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 you definitely are the the guest host the most, but I had to I had to have you on because we talk about a lot of stuff off off air, and so I wanted to um, get your thoughts on some ideas on the air. But the first one is something I thought that was pretty unique, right? Because 
there are CPA. I won't even start with the difference between like a tax preparer and a CPA, right? Because those are two different things. But there are also a lot of CPAs who really only prepare taxes, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's also CPAs that act as a quarterback and really partner with their clients to help them think through how to, you know, manage their money. While the, the best analogy, which may not be a super fair one, but it's kind of like a financial planner for their business. And so can you, can you talk more about, because I know you do that a lot, right? Uh, I noticed that. And uh, can you talk about that and what that looks like and, 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 and paint a picture? Because I know a lot of folks have probably never seen that. Well, I was going to say you had Samantha Mansfield on your podcast last week, and she was helping to set kind of the stage and the tone for that. CPAs have to change their model um, if they want to stay in business because, um, you know, we are not just tax repairs or, and we shouldn't want to be. We want to do, we want to be your partner. And the only way to do that to really like step in and help our clients get to get through the tough times, the great times, prepare for what's coming next is to really, part, like I say, partner with them or be like what you're saying, a quarterback. We are the go-to person for where when a business has an issue with, say, human resources or IT or, you know, financial planning or insurance. I don't know the answers to all those problems, but I can help you find somebody. And that's because I understand your business. That's part of what I like to do is really get to dig in deep and figure out what's your story so that I can help you find a solution. Yeah, I don't always know the answer, but I can help you figure it out. That makes a lot of sense because I'm, you know, even even being a financial planner, right? The the reason why I um I work with you is because of that. You know, I'm a I'm a financial planner and but when it comes to business, right, it's kinda like barbers have barbers. You know, uh, and and personal financial planning is different than business financial planning. But for me, it's not like I don't understand the math. I definitely don't have the tax background, but the, the, the outside the tax stuff, uh, just the planning, I'm like, I need somebody to kind of help me sit me down and make sure that I'm thinking through what I'm doing from an accountability standpoint. So I think it's huge. It's huge. And and I will say this, I think too many people and and we allow this, this perception to continue, but too many people think all we are is a tax person. There is so much more to your business and not every business decision should be made based on tax planning. I think the, the biggest thing you should be focusing on is see cash is king. You know, you, you can generate all the revenue you want, but if you don't have it converted into cash flow, you're not going to be around a long time. That, that, you know, I mean, and, and I mean, and I know you know that too from a personal financial plan standpoint or from the 401ks you work with your, your business clients on. You know, if I don't have anything saved up in the well, well, I can't serve my clients. So that's the more important thing. Tax is kind of a side note, but cash is king. Cash is king. So, so I, I also want to ask you about one other thing, right? I know, I know we talked about one of the planning ideas you, you, you implemented for one of your clients or recommended for one of your clients, and we called it the $8,000 mistake. You know, can, yeah. can, can you talk about like that, that end of year strategy that, that your client wished they would have known and it wouldn't have cost them eight grand? Yeah. So, um, and again, I will say this. I am, when you think of this particular idea, you also too want to consult with an attorney on this because there are some other implications that I wouldn't necessarily be able to, to contemplate about. But a lot of businesses, once they've been around for a long time and can generate consistent revenue and cash, um, a lot of people are set up as an LLC. And that's certainly not a problem, but moving to like an S Corp or even a C Corp strategy you can save yourself from what's called self-employment tax. 
Um, so to your idea about the person who had the potential $8,000 mistake that they wish they'd done at the beginning of the calendar year, there is a way to apply for what they call the S-Corp election. And um, there again, in, instead of paying you, the individual, paying the self-employment tax on your because of your entity status, your S-Corp means that your, your entity business will pay for the payroll taxes, wages flow through to you, and it certainly saves you an awful lot of tax that way. But, but again, I think you need to think of that strategy in the overall, what's the goal of your business? Do you have sufficient cash? You know, do you have sufficient ability to pay yourself a salary on a consistent basis? So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's an 8000 it's a potential $8,000 mistake or whatever the dollar amount is, but it's just something to contemplate in the overall scheme of what your goal and what your cash looks like. Right, right. Yeah, a lot, lot, lot of nuances. That's, that is the theme of taxes. I, I, um, what day was it this week? It was like Thursday or Wednesday, but I literally woke up at 3 a.m., because before I had before I had gone to bed, I had spent I don't know a couple of hours on a, probably three or four hours on the IRS website, just reading like you know regulations for different stuff, and it was freaking boring. But three a.m., my my brain woke up and I was like, oh yeah, okay, that's it. And I like emailed three or four people that I have been working on stuff with, and I was like, I was like, yeah, this IRS stuff is all about it depends, right? It has to. The puzzles got to fit together, and they don't always fit together to make the same picture for each unique situation. Every, I was going to say every situation is unique, but I think, again, it, and I keep saying this, but it all goes back to what's your overall goal, and do you have the cash to support it? Not every decision should be made in the vacuum of tax planning. It's an important one, but not, not the only one. Right, right, right. Yeah. And just for y'all know that that heard that story, what I just said, like I'm talking about this is for uh, qualified retirement plans. I was not doing like... What 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 Allison does? That's way above my pay who, grade. Although, who reads the IRS website on purpose is what I would want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Only only if you had to. I just on that kind of stuff. I don't like going to articles and stuff and and relying on secondary. I'm like, let me just go directly to the source because I know I know it's gonna be right. Yeah. So, and here's a question I did have, and and I'll let you kind of go into some ideas about what you're talking to clients for, how to prepare for next year and the end of the year. But I, I, I wrote down a, c- a couple of questions I want to ask you before we go into those ideas. But so as I was reading it, I, one thing that I that I wanted clarity on because it it matters in a complex situation where you're trying to maximize how much money we can get into a into a retirement plan for for uh, a, a business owner. And so I read something that, was, that said net earnings from self-employment, right? Which I understand what that means. But I, it probably means something different for a partnership than it does for an S corp than it does for a C corp. Am I correct on that, or can you can you break out yeah, the differences of what that I, might? I mean, mean, but when I said this net earnings from self employment, like the same from a from a LLC standpoint, that's basically what did your business make since it runs through your return individually. Right. So the other the partnership and the S corp and the C corp, I don't think is necessarily as relevant, but. The partnership in the S Corp, it's like, what was your share of the pie? And then on top of it, it was like with a partnership, it would, if you got guaranteed payments, there's a whole host of, again, it all depends on the fact. I don't want to keep saying it depends, no, like you're saying, it. but it, it truly does depend. You have to like understand the facts and circumstances, but it's something worth sitting down with your your CPA and, and or your, your tax and business attorney to really make sure you understand how your entity is set up so you can maximize that. 
Yep. No, that, that, that makes sense. When I read it, I was like, this can't be like a clear answer. And I was like, I'm just going to ask Allison. And, and, I, and I figured you're going to say it depends because I couldn't find like a clear answer. I was like, okay, this is one of those depends that we have to hop on the phone and work it out together. Exactly. And, and I think too, in addition to it, it depends on what the code means and in fact, the circumstances, really what's your story? What happened that made you want to do this? And does it make sense for you to even make that particular decision to like contribute to a qualified retirement plan? Mm. Can you, should you, what, and what's the timing of when you do it? Right. Now it makes sense. So, so what, what are you talking to your clients about uh, for the end of the year? To, to prepare, well, to for, for sure, like what you have been preaching is, you know, contributions, maximizing your contributions, not just to your 401k if you if you and your business have one, but what what are the profit sharing potentials or what's p- potential for profit sharing that you can do? Do you need to make adjustments? Do you need to pay out bonuses so that you can, again, maximize contribution for that? I think the other thing to look at, too, is what are your operating expenses looking like in light of some of the businesses have had to shut down or their revenue is, you know, lower because of, you know, COVID, COVID requirements or just the economic recession in general. Before you can really talk about tax saving strategies, it really has to be, what are you looking at for the end of the year for your net income right now? If you have sufficient cash, can we go out and maybe buy operating additional operating equipment like a computer or a laptop or something to help? Is this the time to perhaps consider, you know, leasing or buying a car on behalf of your business? Or are there ways to, from an individual standpoint, can you do the HSA account, which I know you preach an awful lot about, you know, that is a great investment vehicle too. So, um, it's it's really just you know overall what is your year end going to look at before look like before we start talking tax strategy. So I'll paint the picture right. So you have some you know a business owner that said, hey, I'm you know for, for some people you know COVID hurt them, but for some businesses they've like went gangbusters this year and made tons of money, and so now they're in a position where they got all this money coming in, they have all this growth. Um, and now they need to manage their money appropriately. Like, okay, so so what's the next step? They're like, okay, now I need a a, 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 a CFO type CPA role. Uh, mm-hmm. What what does that look like? Like, um, what what happens in that process? Well, so when you think CFO, if you you know, and again, your CPA can step in and help you in those types of with those type of questions. But you know, really, it's overall to me, CFO is cash management in terms of what's the business overall business and operating goals of the business owner. So if like you're saying they're flush with cash, is this an opportunity to maybe just do like investments into my retirement plans and perhaps give back to my employees who work so hard to help me, you know, go gangbusters in revenue. Is this the time to maybe give them a profit share as well? Is it, is this maybe the time to do bonuses or, do I need to strategically think to myself, okay, now that we know this this particular stream of revenue helped me go gangbusters, what's the likelihood of it continuing? So in a CFO type of fractional CFO or you know position, what they would do is maybe help you plan out for your next year to say, okay, now that you've got this big, big your flesh with cash, and again, you think the revenue stream is going to go the way you want, what can we do to help grow it? Do you need to maybe consider ramping up staff? Do you, you know, again, there's a whole host of things that, that the CFO 
who, if, if she's good, would be asking you all those kind of questions of where do you want your business to go? And that's really kind of how they've done. And I've spent over 30 years doing that with working with from TV stations to radio stations to advertising agencies to manufacturing and uh, social services companies, helping them put those kind of those kind of questions together to come up with an, an appropriate budget um, and or operation goals so that they can meet them. Okay. Again, keeping in mind the cash is king. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. It 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 absolutely is. I think. I think uh, what, what they say the the the, the quote that that uh, everybody always quotes something like eighty percent of businesses failed in the first five years, and that's typically like a sales problem. What they don't quote is the second five years, eighty percent of businesses go out of business, but then that becomes a cash flow problem, right? Because they learn how to sell, but then they end up going out the next five years because they don't know how to manage all the money that comes in because they like to go do crazy things with it sometimes. Or or the other thing I've, I've seen some people do is they 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 you know hit hit it big with revenue and then they um, hire too many staff on and then you know the revenue isn't sustainable or they aren't thinking ahead to um, looking at you know the marketplace what what are the economic trends like for example I believe that the McKinsey Group said that a lot of CEOs who they had uh, interviewed suggested that they're, they aren't expecting an economic recovery until about second quarter. Well, if that's really the case, what the outlook is, then I would be sitting there saying to the business owner, do you have sufficient cash on hand to weather a storm? So that would be, I think that would be something to think about too, is, is we're getting into year end planning ideas is, you know, how are you looking to end? How much cash do you have on hand? How many months of operating cash? How many months of operating cash do you have on hand to potentially get you through to what they say is the economic recovery of of Q two of twenty twenty one? Any other tips or ideas or strategies? Uh, I mean, again, I think once you get those out, you know, and covered, um, what a lot of companies do, and, and this is a good strategy, again, knowing if you have it sufficient cash, is this would be the time to invest in capital equipment. Like we're saying, laptops, maybe do some upgrades to your office, maybe, um, if, because the beauty of those is you can take an immediate depreciation deduction, which would obviously lower your bottom line, which would lower your um, tax, tax liability. Um, but again, going back to the idea of, you know, how do you, how do you invest in any kind of qualified retirement plan like a SEP or a 401k or, you know, any, any kind of other plans? Those would be strategies that I'd be looking at. Got it. So that, that, that moves us to our next topic. And this is where me and you, uh, end up working together, you know, well. And I, and I plan to work. It, it's funny now, um, I've talked to a couple of people that I'm doing this for now and I'm like, listen, got to get your CPA involved in a conversation. And if, and if they're not, uh, if they don't understand big picture thinking and planning, I got a better CPA for you because, <laughs> because well, I was going to say, it's funny. I had a conversation with a client who actually he's in the process of implementing a 401k plan. And I was like, I, I would like to participate in the conversation with you because did you know that you can potentially contribute up to you know, X amount of extra dollars. And he's like, I, I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, okay, let me know what the meeting is so I can sit in with you on it. 
because because they're not you know they're tr- trying to think of something to do nice for their employees, but I I don't know that they're thinking of the other side benefits for themselves personally. Yeah, because mo- cause a lot of them get get the four hundred one k from like their payroll company, and they're just they're just setting them up with a a check the box cookie cutter, you know, safe harbor four hundred one k. They don't ask the planning questions. They don't they don't mm-hmm. look at the big picture and then say, okay, no, like this actual plan design and setup can help out better. Which which I obviously believe you should not be doing it without a good wealth manager and a good CPA taking you through the process because you're going to, you're going to miss a lot, you know, I mean, you that's, can, and it, yeah, I was going to say, as I was listening to this particular client talk, I was like, do you have a wealth advisor so that they can, you know, help guide you in terms of plans and all and um, trying to obviously steer the question to, you know, make the additional introductions, but it's really true. You, you want to have your CPA and a wealth advisor in those kind of point, those kind of conversations just to help get you thinking because you know life is you don't know what you don't know and if someone isn't there to help you pose the questions how will you know to ask them absolutely absolutely so we're going to we're going to three ideas feel free to chime in where you need to but these are three end of year retirement plan strategies for business owners to use and for those listening this is something that you're going to want to share with people who you know who own a business they will love you right the the potential financial benefit of these ideas can earn you like some some great cool points and maybe some even gift cards. So share it. So here, here's the first one. And I and I literally I just on my way here I was a little late to the studio because I was on the phone talking to a client about this strategy um, that that he had no idea that he can do. And so it's called the two four one ks. And by the way, my disclaimer as always: don't implement any of this stuff without talking to your CPA qualified tax uh, advisors, right? This is l- like like Allison has said so many times, all of this stuff depends on certain factors lining up the right way. So I'm giving exactly. a broad stroke and, and I'm, I'm using ideas, but I'm also changing facts and things so that it keeps folks safe. But the two 401k uh, situation, so here, here's the problem. Most people think you can only have one 401k, which is actually not true. You can have multiple uh, 401ks. The thing that you have to do is you have to stick within the elective deferral limit, right? So what is elective deferral limit? Whenever people, whenever people say, Philip, how much money can I put in my 401k? That, that 19,500 that you can do for 2019 as an example of the elective deferral limit. If you're over 50, you can do an additional $6,000, which, which bumps that up to 25,500. But the elective deferral is how much you as an employee put into the plan, right? So, so that is constrained. So if you have 10 401k plans, you cannot put any more than that amount in there. But here, what I said, you can actually have like more than one plan, right? So here's like an example to see, to see how it works in a narrow situation where, where it would, it would make sense. So let's say you got in, and, and, and by the way, just, just for this example, because you know, I want it to be spot on. I literally took this example from the IRS website, right? So it has a 2019, uh, in 2019, Greg, which is a 46 year old, and um, uh, he's employed by an employer with a 401k plan, and he's an independent contractor. Which, by the way, this setup I think is the future. You know, I talked to everybody about the the new 401k is a side business, right? Get a get a job for stability, but have a side business because the internet allows you to like sell lots of stuff 
you know, all over the world. Uh, and you can work from seven to 12 at night after your regular job. So going back to it. So he, he has an independent contractor that's an unrelated business, uh, sets up a solo 401k plan. And so he contributes the maximum elective deferral limit to his business, to the comp- to the 401k plan that he works for the company he works for, right? So the one, where he gets his paycheck, he puts the full maximum maximum in there, which um, in 2019 was 19000 okay? Uh, he'd also want to contribute the maximum to the solo 401k plan, but since he made the elective deferral to the company he worked for, the full 19000 he can't do that anymore. Uh, so, so, so where does he go? Well, here, here is the cool part. If he has enough earned income from his independent business to qualify, he can actually max out on the solo four hundred one k at fifty six grand a year for twenty nineteen numbers, right? So, fifty six grand is the is the maximum number, right? Again, you need to understand the nuances uh, of how this works because there's a cap on your income. And all that kind of stuff. But if he made enough money to hit the max, which is fifty six thousand, he can he can do a non elective contribution of fifty six grand to his solo four hundred one k plan because the non elective one is not influenced by the elective deferral contribution, right? Which is again one of those nuances that if you don't dig deep and ask the questions, you're not going to know. And that additional fifty six grand that in this example Greg is able to defer. Assuming he's in the top tax bracket, is going to save him like tens of thousands of dollars in taxes uh, for being able um, um, to do that. So, small thing to think about, right? There's a lot of folks. There's a lot. Similar rules apply to the SEP. They're not the same as a 401k, but very similar strategy can be done if you have a SEP uh, IRA. Uh, as well, from a tax savings perspective, if you fit the narrow rules that apply to the SEP IRA. So that's that's idea number one, which I think is a great so, idea. Go ahead. I was going to say, so what you're already demonstrating is here's why you need a strong wealth advisor on your team, because they will know to bring up those suggestions to you as you, you know, because again, I don't know what I don't know, but you, you could bring that up to me and I'd be like, ah, I've never thought of that before. That'd be kind of cool. Let's see how that works. Next idea, the comparability tested profit sharing plan. And Allison, this is like a strategy that you and I worked on together. Which was a you know a pretty pretty good strategy. So here, here here's the problem, right? So a lot of folks think it costs a whole lot to set up a 401k plan. One, one of the one of the big, I think, deterrents of 401ks is people are like, well, I don't want to have to file all this money to set it up for everybody. And so uh, this example, you know, strategy actually helped us find the money to help create the plan. Uh, and we'll go through the fact that they actually were already doing some things. They, they were kind of already spending the money anyway. So we'll go through the idea. So typical situation. And this this strategy actually works the best with a maybe smaller company, maybe like a professional type shop. It'll work with lots of different examples, but it, it the, the the niche is a, a a a smaller company, but you have you know, one, two, three, like a couple of rainmakers, right? So, so, so you have a, you have a smaller company, but but the proportion of rainmakers, meaning people who make a lot of money, are small relative to all the other employees, uh, and it it works even better if if the rainmakers who make the most are also owners of the company, because we can get some really good tax benefits, and it the if the owners care about their employees, if they don't care about the employees, then they 
you know, I don't really want to work with those type of people anyway. But but they care about their employees, and it fits the narrow niche of a few rainmakers. Um, this makes a, a lot of sense. And, and and in this example, the owners already understood the value of uh, rewarding employees for 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 going over and above and beyond by providing you know bonuses. But but the comparability test of profit sharing allowed us to say, all right, cool, you're already giving out bonuses. Why not set up a profit sharing plan that allows you to defer over a hundred thousand dollars of income for for the you know for the two owners uh, and which which in that example the rough estimate of of, of tax savings was north of thirty thousand uh, dollars you know for for what the owners were making which was roughly what they needed to contribute and employee contributions to get their $100,000 in there, right? And again, for you for you non-math nerds, you might be going, Philip, you're talking too much math. I don't know what's going on. But the, but the point is, um, there's a there's a profit-sharing plan where we can run a, a, a comparability test and we're able to group different employees in different categories, which, which will allow you to shift more money to the owners and highly compensate it uh, than what you have to give every everybody else in in the in the plan, right? You still provide a benefit to the employees, and 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 here's the here's the other problem behind it because uh, in a four hundred one k plan, they don't really want you to discriminate. So that's so that's the tough planning strategy is if you offer a four hundred one k plan, the IRS does not want you to discriminate against employees. But there are narrow circumstances where if you categorize it right. Based on the IRS's guidelines, um, you're able to fit in a lot more money for the owners of ho- and, and, and highly compensated employees, which typically are both, uh, than, than you can for uh, everybody else. But as Allison said in the beginning of the episode, you got to go through the boxes, you got to check the boxes, got to make sure the boxes check out. Uh, but it checks out for a lot more people than what, than what you think. And then you're able to defer a lot of money. Uh, and the tax savings pays not not every single time, right? But in this in this example, the tax savings were able to like help fund the contributions for the employees, uh, which actually in this example saved them money because they were already paying out bonuses. So they were able to <laughs> from tax savings get the money for the bonuses. They can keep the money they were giving bonuses or keep giving them out if they want to if they really if they really love their employees. But that is another uh, example. As I mentioned, the, care, the comparability profit sharing plan is really good for small professional firms, doctors, dentists, CPAs, attorneys, boutique firms with a few brain makers that are, that are also the owners. Right. So, well, I was going to say, again, knowing I'm not an HR person, but what a great thing, like you're saying, to, for those who really love on their employees, and it's a great retention you know, uh, tool too to keep them to say, look, I believe in you enough that I want you to stay on board, but I'm going to give you this awesome plan. Like I'm going to help you participate in some of the profit sharing. Um, and those are all because of you, you, my, my awesome employees. Yeah, no. And, and I think people don't understand how, how important that is. Like a lot of, I've met a lot of people who they may not voice to their employer, but if they don't have a 401k plan, they're like, I'm leaving whenever I can find a job that I care about with the 401k and and the other part and I'm going to brag on myself for a second the other the other benefit is if you get a a wealth manager like like we do at Stonehill Wealth Management that also um will do one-on-one retirement planning with each of your employees you know annually to make sure they're okay 
Um, that's an even bigger benefit because I can't tell you how many plans the plan gets set up. They never hear from the advisor. And a lot of times they don't have the advisor because it's set up through a payroll company. But if they do have an advisor, they I, I, I just took over a plan that was a you know multi-million dollar plan that nobody had heard from the advisor in like years. You know, and and I and I got the business because I was referred. I was I was actually referred from the from the record keeper because they know that I'm very active in planning for the individual employees. Um, but that but 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 the employees appreciate it. Like when I'm when when they meet one on one, but they're like, "Hey, Philip, I'm really glad that you uh, met with us. We had talked to my guy, you know, or uh, really in this example, it was a guy, and like forever, um, I didn't know." If I was on track or off track, I didn't know how much money I was going to have. I didn't know what investment to pick, right? Just and 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 they they were like they were just so thankful and thankful to their employer for helping them pick the right right plan. And that stuff, like Matt, it's a great investment. And obviously, I'm biased, it's, but I see it. Yeah, I was going to say. I feel like I shouldn't say. I feel like I know you and I are in the same profession where the biggest thing people base this on is our is a trust factor and how much are we invested in you being successful, and that's part of I it's our privilege that to be able to help clients in that kind of items. You know, how do you help them? Like you're saying for people invest in 401k on how you use them. Here's a great way for you to say, here's what you're thinking about. Here's the planning goals, invest X amount into it. And you'll, you'll be thankful later. Mm-hmm. But that's our privilege is to ask those kind of questions to help them out. Yep. Yep. And, and one last thing I think that's, that's, that's important. And, and this is why you want to have the CPA, uh, in the conversation, because uh, on, on this specific idea that I was talking about, uh, when Allison and, and when we worked together, um, um, you you know, you, having your CPA involved allowed um, you to kind of advise them on, hey, maybe in this example we should, um, you know, you you recommend maybe they pay themselves some more money, which actually, you know, which actually helped uh, them save even more taxes in the plan than what than what was originally planned for, um, which which was like the tandem of it, right? Because if, if you if I was over here working, doing my thing, and you were doing your thing, and we had never talked together with the client, I don't know if that if that uh, benefit might have happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I kind of think it goes back to where you were saying, think of the CPA as the quarterback or the point guard. That you know, I I don't know how to answer the how to invest in the four hundred one k, but I know who can help you figure that part out. And are there other items that maybe I hadn't considered? That would be great strategies to help them save for retirement and save taxes at the same time. Because again, it goes back to not all decisions should be based on tax savings; it should be based on your overall goals. Mm-hmm. And cash is king. And and <laughs> cash is king. <laughs> Got to change it to your Zoom name. Cash is king. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here, here's the last idea because I. Hopefully we are entertaining y'all, but this is like a big idea, right? So we, we, we talked about 2401k, we talked about the comparability profit sharing plan, right? Um, and there's lots of different profit sharing plans you can do, different types of tests or whatever, which I won't bore you on that. But this third one is a, is a cash balance plan, which the cash balance plan is, uh, it, it's really set up for, you know, less, and this happens a lot. Like, you know, I'll meet somebody who's been building a business for, 10, 20, 30 years, the business is making a crazy amount of money, but they were not quite able to put away as much money for retirement as they as they wanted to, right? Maybe the business took a little bit long to throw off enough cash because they were reinvesting the business, right? And it was really it was 
it was hard to find a better use of the dollar than the business because it was compounding at a at a crazy high rate. But now they're at a point where the, the business is oozing cash. They, they can't reinvest it, but they wanted to start saving for retirement. Uh, but they're a little older and they're like, man, I'm not, I'm not that far from, from normal retirement age. Um, a cash balance plan uh, is, is a great fit because a cash balance plan, depending on a situation, you can, like I, I ran a, I ran a sample for um, a, a 60 year old business owner looking to do a cash balance plan the other day. And the calculation based on the, the facts, um, that person was able to defer uh, over $200,000 a year into a cash balance retirement plan wow. which is a which is a huge tax savings and that's just a cash balance plan you can you can layer a cash balance plan on top of a 401k and a profit sharing plan which you still have all those tax benefits of being able to put into those two plans from elected deferrals and non-elected deferrals that we talked about before so you can put away quite a bit of money combining those plans for the business owner cash balance plan is a, a little different than the 401k because the 401k, but you would call a defined contribution plan, which is nerd talk for for no guarantees. Defined benefit plan uh, typically has some sort of you know guarantee. Ca- and I again, I don't want to. You need to. I don't want to go into weeds on this, you know. But a cash balance plan is a, is a defined benefit plan um, that's a bit more flexible than like a traditional regular pension plan that you would get from like the the military or the government or working for the police department. But the point is, you get to defer a whole lot of money uh, into the plan and save a lot of taxes uh, by doing that and supercharge your retirement. But it's, but, but it's again, the, the, the fit for this is similar for the comparability profit sharing plan. You know, s- smaller company, um, rain, you know, big rainmakers, um, a, a narrow group of big rainmakers, preferably owners, um, and... And the cash balance plan, the cool part is the older you are, the, the better, right? Because the amount you could put away uh, is, is correlated to your age as one big factor. So those are the three ideas, you know, that, that at the end of the year, as you're thinking about either look, reevaluating your existing retirement plan, reevaluating it or looking at a new retirement plan, or just thinking about your whole life. Because again, I have talked to a few clients this week and I was like, hey, is your CPA helping you with just more than just filing taxes? And they were like, no, they just filed taxes. I'm like, you need to talk to somebody because... I was going to say the unfortunate thing is so many people view their tax return as a report card. (laughs) They don't sit there and think that, you know, they don't want to come to you for planning. And it's it's frustrating for me because I'm thinking, well, I could help you so much more if you could not you could just see your tax return is more than just your report cards. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're right. And, and, and like, what would you say the percentage of your clients actually utilize that service from you? Um, actually, I feel like it's starting to improve more. And, and again, it goes back to the whole trust factor. And, you know, do you know your client well enough to be able to ask those those kind of questions? But I think it's moving up to about, you know, 50% of my clients. Some of them just, like I say, want to see a return. And I confess that's boring. There's so much more than just, just the tax return. So working with you to help you come up with a good solution is, is a lot more fun. Yeah, no, that's interesting. That, that that is good. It's kind of like uh, I took I took financial accounting, and then I took managerial accounting. I hated sure. financial accounting. It was so oh, boring. I didn't, oh, I was gonna say I like 
I love financial accounting. But oh, you do? Being a year-old, I like, I mean, you're, I, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I kind of like how you can have the, what they want. Accounting's a balancing thing. Yeah. Everything but, balances with the but, end, but, so. but, but did you like it more than managerial? I, I love I, managerial. Yeah, you know, it was, it was I guess, because the way they kept talking about was like widgets and gadgets, and it, <laughs> it wasn't tangible. Like, I didn't see what the widget was, and it didn't make sense to me. So if, if I could have sat with somebody who had a, whatever the widget was, then that would make more sense. But I was like, I don't get it. I uh, got it, got it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, 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 uh, maybe that's why I ended up moving to, because uh, uh, my my financial and managerial accounting professor was also the accounting the department head chair yeah the chair. Department chair. yeah she tried to recruit me to accounting and i was just like i was like i don't know managerial sounds a lot more like finance to me like i like this you know but but it sounds like that's the part of the business that you like now that you can see the widgets you like that, that was like the planning that was yeah okay the books are the books are in order and by the way a, a computer can do that but what a human can do is interpret like creatively paint the picture of how that money is used and, and spent and sent in the future. Like that takes an artist. Yep. I was going to say, and that's where our profession is going. And I think Samantha Mansfield was even saying that last week was you have to think outside the box to help your client because anybody can do journal entry. You know, anybody can balance the bank statement. What do, you, what is, what do the numbers mean? That's really where, like you're saying, the art comes in. What is what is if you're not if your net income is five? What does that mean? Right. Did you spend did you spend too much on you know toilet paper? Did you spend too much, or did you not spend enough on employee development? Kind of a thing. That's that's where the art comes in. And, and I feel like tax rules are changing so fast, right? You you already have the what is it twenty thousand pages that are nuanced based on you checking all these boxes, and then you have it changing so fast. I'm just like. Man, good luck ever getting rid of CPAs. They're never exactly. going away. Yeah. <laughs> One of my CPA friends and I were joking that it seems like the tax cut bill is the guaranteed employment for CPAs because like you're saying, the rules are so hard. Not hard, but they keep changing all the time. And then you you know, you add the kicker in of the IDA loan or the PPP loan. There's just so many crazy things to think about. And what does it make sense to take loan? Does it not make sense? And then, oh, what, what's the tax implication to you if you do it? Kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that that this is all good stuff. So, wh- anything else you want to share with the people? I feel like your three, I you know, qualified retirement plan options are awesome, and I think it's one of those. That's a great conversation starter for CPA to have with their clients, and then to say. Again, I don't know how to put them in place, but I know people who do. That goes back to the idea of the CPA as the quarterback or the uh, or the point guard. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I, yeah, I actually prefer the point guard. I'm more of a, I'm more of a basketball guy. Side side note: You're a fellow nerd. There's a really good podcast that you might enjoy. I'm gonna give him a shout out. It's called the Acquired Podcast. It's on uh, Apple Podcasts and, and and Spotify. But it's like two two you know. Um, you know, relatively young venture capital guys that uh, go back and study like big, gigantic businesses and how they went from being small startups to big. So they did one on like the NBA. It was three hours about like not not players, like the business of the NBA. And I think like if you, like you're a, you're a money nerd like me, so you'll like eat it all up because it was it yeah, was I great. Love that stuff. Yeah, I like I've, I've kind of come to realize over the course of my life. 
I like to tell stories and that's really what numbers are. What's the story? Because like I said, five could mean a whole myriad of things. It could mean great. It could mean you think. It could mean anything. That's the beauty is understanding the story that got you there. Mm-hmm. Yep. No. And, and I told, and I told everybody that I was not going to do any principles, but a principle came to mind as we were talking. Cause I was thinking, I was thinking what, what is going to stop somebody from hiring a CPA? And I think I know what it is. It's probably the same thing that hire the stuff people from hire a financial advisor, right? It's, it's either embarrassment or the inability to want accountability, right? So the principle is like accountability. If you if you submit yourself, which is a, which is a crazy word, but I use it on purpose, right? Because people hate to submit, but I just mean like if submit in a non negative way. If you say I'm going to intentionally put give somebody uh, the ability to influence my decision making, right? It's my decision, but I'm going to give somebody the ability to. Uh, influence my decision making so I can be better. It's uncomfortable in the short term because you like, well, am I, am I, do I suck? Like, obviously, there's going to be some sort of mess, right? And you might feel some sort of embarrassment. But I feel like once you find the right person that you trust, that's knowledgeable, uh, if it, it frees you up to be better at what you're doing, right? Because, uh, right, we, we always wear two hats. You know, for clients, I'm the boring, you know, bring you back to earth don't invest your money all this crazy stuff type person. But as an entrepreneur, like I'm a risk taker. Like so I wear two so I wear two hats. And so I'm like, yeah, I gotta have somebody to to be my boring. Fun killer. Yeah, be my fun <laughs> killer, right? Just be like, Philip, yeah, you you're kinda crazy on this one. You know, do it, but here's the outcome. And I go, right, oh, okay. exactly. And and it frees you up. It's kinda like, yeah, cool. I don't gotta worry about wearing wearing both hats, you know, because yeah, it's tough to be a risk taker and a uh, risk manager at the same time. But I would imagine that makes you more cautious. You're a, I don't want to say cautious risk, risk taker, but you, you consider all the risks before you take them. Yeah, yeah. No, I, but, I, but you're still ready to take them, but you're just like, okay, if I do X, well then Y happens. What me to happen? So let's figure out how to do X plus Y. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I, I, my, my wife laughs at me because I was like, you know what my favorite class was? She's like, what? I was like, statistics. She's like, you're a nerd. I was like, I love statistics. Like, my, my mind thinks in probabilities at all times. I can't help it. Like, it's weird. And my and my <laughs> nine, soon to be 10-year-old is like the exact same way. So. Oh, I can see great talks about standard deviation around the kitchen table. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love standard deviation. I just, it's like, it's like, like some people get intoxicated with music and like you get in that flow state. Like when I was doing statistics, I get in like a flow state when I'm like on Excel spreadsheet doing stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, it just feels good to my soul. I'm just, I just nerd out. It's weird. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, I, I can only imagine dinner table conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we don't talk about that at the dinner table because she like checks out. She checked out like I don't know forty seconds ago when I said statistics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes, I can probably agree with her. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let everybody know how they can reach you if they're interested in learning more about you. And Sure. So um, you can reach me. I have a, my website is Rife Martin CPA, or you can email me at Allison at Rife Martin Accounting.com. And that's A-L-I-S-O-N at R-E-I, F is in Frank, F is in Frank, M-A-R-T-I-N Accounting.com. Uh, awesome. Awesome. And then, uh, and you're on LinkedIn too, right? Are you open to connections I, on LinkedIn? Oh, absolutely. I would love to talk to anybody who needs help. So, 
Um, I'm really trying to target myself for clients who have on the revenue range of one to 10 million and who are looking for someone to really partner with them to help them grow their operations. You're super helpful to those folks. I, I, I know it. That's, that's, that's why you're my CPA. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. No, thank you so much for having me. What is the most, the post on SNL who shows up the most? I think it was Alec Baldwin. He's like 10 times or something. Is he so really? I got seven more to go to, you know, keep up. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll I keep think working so. On. I'm just thinking, oh, we got to figure out how to get me on there another seven times. Yeah, no, so, hey, look, we, we, can, we, can, we can do this monthly. But thank you so much for letting me. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, my, my pleasure. Have a good one. Stay safe. It is October, Friday 30th. Believe it's the last day to early vote. By the time you hear this today, if you haven't early voted, you're probably not going to early vote today. But the election day is November 3rd, next Tuesday. So get out and vote. I don't care who you vote for. I just want every American to vote. I want this to be an actual democracy and people go vote. And when people speak, I'm happy with it, no matter who it is. I just want, I want people to go vote. So go vote. Please vote. Uh, and share this podcast with anybody who you think might find the information useful. And, and, and I haven't asked in a while, but give me a rating on Apple Podcast if you can. That helps people find my podcast. Have a good day. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.